Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. We have the marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have the business creators who help others grow their businesses, and we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers. If you are one or more of the above, and many of our listeners who tune in from around the world every single week are actually all four of the above, take a moment, explore episodes, discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing, and thrive from the intersection of your brilliance and passion at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Be sure to check us out on iTunes. When you subscribe, you get access to over 225 episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to business creators. We love our five-star ratings. They help us serve more business creators just like you. And when you subscribe, uh, you will get access to fresh content like this episode every single week. Now, for today... I have a topic that I've wanted to cover for a while, and when we had the opportunity to do this one, I almost jumped through the ceiling because I was so excited about it. Uh, For years, I've been in business for about 15 years, and one of the things that has been consistent, although the definitions have changed over time, is the idea of search engine optimization, which more and more we hear called things like search engine marketing. Just like with reputation management, we're now starting to hear about reputation marketing like uh, we had on our episode with Kyle Downs a couple months ago. So what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be looking into the future, preparing for the future of search and SEO. And in order to guide us down that path, I am excited and honored to bring to you none other than Jeremiah Smith. Jeremiah is the co-founder and CEO of a company called Simple Tiger, which is a boutique digital marketing agency specializing in SEO for entrepreneurs. See, the SEO industry, as many of you know, is plagued by smoke and mirrors, black hat techniques, and a lack of transparency. And what I love about Jeremiah is he wants to change that for good. For the past 11 years, Jeremiah has helped companies like Segment.com, Shopify, NBC, MTV, E-Trade, LG, and Sports Illustrated see significant gains in their search results, organic traffic, and revenue. If you would like to be in that category, then you are definitely in the right place. And let's start by bringing Jeremiah in. Jeremiah, jump on in. The weather's fine. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me today, Adam. I look forward to talking to you about uh, one of my favorite subjects. Oh yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be having a little bit of a conversation about uh, bots. Uh, we're gonna talk about uh, artificial intelligence and some of the other things that are pretty hot in the marketplace today that are just now emerging. But before we do all this, because you have a lot you're gonna cover with us today, what we like to do with our guests is before we dive into the main heart of the uh, topic for the day, is just sort of take a step back. And for our listeners who are just now learning about you and getting a chance to know you, tell us a little bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today at the intersection of your brilliance and passion. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. So um, I, like uh, many of your listeners, uh, was a business creator at some point and still am to a degree. But uh, got in this industry by accident, honestly. I used to build websites for clients many years ago, and one of my clients asked me, all right, now that we got this wonderful, beautiful website, how do we get it in Google? 
And I was like, that's a fantastic right. question. So I looked into it, uh-huh. I Googled it, and I discovered the whole SEO industry. And uh, I didn't know that there was this incredible underground industry of things happening kind of behind the scenes, behind behind closed doors at Google. And, and so I was immediately blown away. I got into doing SEO for this company and found that it was the new love of my life in regards to a marketing uh, methodology. Uh, at that time, we were doing things like uh, print mailers and all kinds of different other types of advertising. And when I got into SEO, it was just completely different than anything I ever knew about in regards to marketing and really got at the core of where I think uh, powerful sales can come from because you're marketing to people who are actively pursuing or actively seeking something, what, what you do. You're not going out and interrupting people. You're not getting in people's way. You're not uh, shoving an advertisement in their face. They are literally coming to you. They're already trying to find you. And it is, to a degree, right. referral-based traffic. You know, people uh, trust what Google has to say to a large degree. And so that there, there's a certain amount of trust that people have when they click on a listing in Google and they, they come into your website. So I was immediately attracted to that, decided to start an agency around that whole model of, of SEO and just focus in on offering that as my core service. And that all started about 12 years ago now. So I've been at the game for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and I have seen so many flashes in the pan, and there's only a handful of folks that, whose names I was hearing when I first learned about search engine optimization and search engine marketing myself that are still around and still doing it because uh you know we do see all these uh you know flashes in the pan and uh and you know here today gone tomorrow type things and uh what Mm -hmm. i've known and i'm not really an seo guy per se usually with our clients i deal with something else and then i have a separate firm that does the search engine stuff because i'm more concerned with the uh the user and the customer experience once they arrive at the business um so somebody Mm -hmm. else you know, so somebody else catches them and we cook them basically is the, is the analogy but one of the things i know one of the things i do know about search engine optimization we'll use the term search engine optimization for the purposes of this conversation is that it really is a long game uh when you're trying to pull little tricks and and black hat stuff and following these uh, also secret push button techniques uh think of it this is an analogy i was given a long time ago think of it like um you're trying to drive a car uphill when you smash your foot into the accelerator pa- p- pedal, that car will zoom uphill. The second you take it off, not only will the car, mm-hmm. st- car stop moving forward, it will actually start drifting backwards so that when you try and go up the hill, now you're actually dealing with reverse momentum. That's the analogy that was given to me a long time ago, and I found there to be at least some level of relevance to that. So that's, um, you know, and you can find that through, you know, ad you know, ad spending and things like that. Not that I'm down on ads or anything like that, because I think they're you know, they're wonderful things. But uh, we're talking about organics and having Google and Bing and and uh, Yahoo and some of the other search engines, such as uh, you know, you have your YouTube, you have your Amazon, you have Yelp. I mean, these are all search engines because people search these things mm-hmm. looking for what they need. Facebook is a search engine. I use LinkedIn as a search engine. Anything where somebody can search, there's an opportunity for search engine optimization. And I'm familiar with how to optimize a LinkedIn profile to make it come up on keywords. So there's more than one way to go about this. So the principles that Jeremiah is going to share with you today, um, he may focus on one or two search engines, but this is stuff that applies to pretty much anywhere where anybody's going to be searching. So Let's start with the beginning, which is what are some of the ways that business creators uh, can prepare their companies 
for the future of search and SEO. Uh, we, we can talk about things like voice and robots and anything else you want to share with us. Sure, yeah. So I think to begin with, it really helps to look backwards. Well, zooming out actually 10,000 feet and just getting a real quick understanding of SEO in general um, and, and, and trying to come up with a, a good understanding of what search engine optimization really means. And then we can look backwards real quick to see where where SEO has been and the trajectory, and that will show you kind of where SEO is going. And I plan to kind of lay all of this out for you. So um, to begin with, from a 10,000-foot view, search engine optimization is really the, at the core optimizing whatever it is that you are optimizing, okay? Now, that might be, you know, when we're talking about Google, that's your website. But if we're talking about Amazon, for example, as, as you brought up, Adam, that might be your product listing and description, all right? So that's not right. your actual website. That's, that's your product listing. So there are all kinds of different things you could be optimizing depending on the search engine that you're talking about. For the sake of conversation today, I'm going to try to keep it around Google just to make things nice and simple. Um, but the, keep in mind that this applies kind of broadly throughout other types of search engines as well. So the whole idea behind search engine optimization is really trying to optimize whatever it is you're optimizing so that search engine can easily relate uh, a keyword relevance from what somebody might search to what it is that you have optimized. Therefore, it allows it to show up well uh, at the top of the rankings of whatever search engine you're going through, and, and therefore you get the traffic from those highly demanding keywords. Um, and I can get more into highly demanded versus lower demand keywords later. But that's the general kind of 10,000-foot view. Now, looking backwards at where SEO has been, what I like to do is give people a really good understanding of kind of how we see SEO work, and we've put together our own framework. Um, and that framework really is made up of three major parts. Those parts are technical, content, and off-site. Now, when we're talking about those three different parts, technical is really just the way your site is structured and built. Uh, it has everything to do with server configuration and code on your website, things like that. The way the site right. is actually functionally built is important because there might be technical issues on the site that keep search engines from being able to fully access the whole website. So when we talk about technical optimization, we really just mean fixing issues and clearing things up so that the search engine can access the entire website. That's really all we're talking about there. So that's the technical bucket. The content bucket is really the stuff people are looking for. So when I perform a search in Google, I'm looking for some content, whether that is text, images, video, audio, or just a quick answer to a problem. All of that is content. So the content is what you're producing on your site that people are actively looking for. Again, it could be any one of those mediums. You know, I mean, here we have your radio show, so people might find that through search. You know, they may be looking up something yep. about an SEO podcast and they stumble across this right. episode, for example. So uh, that's that's the type of content that we're talking about when we talk about content. So there's, there's our content bucket. Now, that third and final bucket that I mentioned, I said off-site. Off-site is kind of a catch-all term that we use uh, to mean everything that happens off of your website. So the first two things happen on your website, technical and content. All of that is within your website. Off-site is everything outside of that. Now, the largest contributor to off-site for the longest time in SEO has been links, links pointing into your website from other sites around the web. Uh, links are literally just a link from their site over to your site, and typically a quality link is determined by how relevant 
the place that they are linking from and to are to each other. So how relevant is the site that is linking to you, to your business? And, and if you have good relevance there, you have a high-quality link. So that's the, the 10,000-foot overview of SEO. That is the background of SEO and kind of where it's been in the past in a very short period of time. But looking right. forward, um, we have to understand really quick why Google relies on these three different categories. So we have this technical category, which is all about the how Google uh, crawls your website and gets into your website. The content is what they're getting when they come into your website. The links improve the value or improve those those factors that help that site and that content rank well. But why are links so important? I think that's a really good question to answer. The the easiest answer I can give for why links and why off-site factors are so important is because everything that happens on your website is really easy to manipulate and control. But things that happen off of your website are much harder to manipulate and control. It's much harder to get a quality, relevant website to link to you. Therefore, if that quality, relevant website does link to you, that's a trust factor for Google. Google says, oh, my God, maybe they are relevant because this big, reputable you know, website is actually linking to them, and it's difficult to make that happen. So when you think about that, you realize that Google has to have some trust built into their algorithms in order to be able to show good enough listings that you and I will still love using Google to do searches. Because when I do a search in Google, I want the content I want. I want to find something that's relevant to what I'm searching for. So Google has completely capitalized on their algorithm to the tune of about, I would say, roughly around 98% of their revenue comes from the advertising they run around the search results that they show. So when we talk about how Google makes their money and people know that Google's a multi-billion dollar company, that's really what you're talking about is they've made ad dollars off of a really good, high-quality ranking algorithm. So that said, we now know that Google has to use strong trust indicators to help your content, to, to, to show your content, and to know that they're not going to let their users down when they come into your website. So looking forward... Let's think about that. What are some other ways that Google can establish trust with domains as we move into the future and not be manipulated by old practices, right? Because tw 12 years ago, trust me, all you had to do was, like, update a title tag on your website, and you would rank pretty well in Google. <laughs> like, that's how things those used to were, be. Those were um, the days, my friend. We thought we'd, they'd never end. Exactly, exactly. And nowadays, things are vastly different, and I've seen so many changes over the years to the point where unless you are building really good, high-quality content that's long and talks about uh, your specific subject in detail, uh, uses lots of relevant keywords within the content, you get links from other relevant resources, your site is very well structured from a technical perspective, you've got lots of social activity happening on your site. Unless you have all of that happening, you're probably going to have a hard time ranking in Google nowadays. So the right. reason it's gotten that strict is obviously Google is trying to increase the, their reliance on trust indicators and move away from things that can easily be manipulated because that messes up the uh, that messes up the search results. So over time, people have gotten more and more intelligent at how to build links, for example. And so link building has become kind of the final frontier of of SEO for quite a while. And I would say for Man, I mean, most of the time that I've been doing SEO now, I'd say that link building was the single most important thing that you could do once you've done everything else 
that was like the last thing you could do. Nowadays, things are, have actually recently changed to where Google is using more um, more factors about how users are actually even engaging with your website. You know, Google now operates, you know, they have Chrome, so a lot of people use Chrome on their desktops and their MacBooks and stuff like that. But a lot of people have Google phones or some kind of an Android phone if they have Chrome on their mobile phone. Over 50% of searchers now are performing their searchers on a mobile device. So most right. of the world is going mobile. And, you know, we have the whole iPhone versus Android debate and everything, and that's all well and good. Uh -huh. <laughs> but Google's collecting a ton of data on the Android devices. They're also collecting a ton of data whenever you download and use Chrome on your mobile device. So keep all that in mind. Now, Google watches what happens when they send a visitor to your website. They watch what that visitor does, and they monitor to see, is that visitor engaging with your website? Are they digging into your content? Are they bouncing right away when they come into your website? Are they clicking around? Are they hanging out and reading stuff? Because if they are, then that, might, that must mean that you have a pretty engaging website. You have some quality content there, and that increases their trust factors. So that's kind of where Google's at right now. And you can take yeah. that and kind of look forward into the future at, at probably where they're going to go. Right. Yeah. And and you know uh, and, you know what I've noticed and is I've as I said I'm not an SEO guy myself, but I have been around this game for so long, and I've seen so many pandas and alligators and calico cats and everything else <laughs> that Google's released is supposed to change everything. And I have heard that backlinks are dead more often than I've heard that email marketing is dead. And I hear that one almost weekly because there's always something mm -hmm. else replacing email marketing. But after all these flashes in the pan come and go, mm -hmm. there we are sending our e-newsletters every Tuesday. It's just uh, it's just one right. of those things that is always there. And my impression is, and I want to ask you this because you're somebody who knows, um, backlinks, they seem to be the thing that no matter how many times we say they're dead or how many times we say mm -hmm. they're being eliminated, once all the dust settles, the backlinks are still there doing their job. Absolutely. Yeah, and they are still critically important. So those factors that I mentioned about um, getting getting site engagement and everything, getting that down and doing a good job with that, that's really kind of a lag measure. And I say lag measure meaning you can only look at that retroactively and see its effect. You know, um, with links, that's something that you can proactively go do. You can go build links and actually move the needle by building links. Uh, you, of course, can then use the same, I mean, using that as a metaphor, you can go and do some usability improvements on your website. But then again, that will only get you so far. You've got to be consistently producing something new. And if you're producing fresh new pieces of content but no one's linking to it, that's an indicator to Google that that content's not important, not relevant. So you do still absolutely have to build links. And links are very, very important. They're just not quite as important as they used to be in terms of um, their ranking factor. They've kind of reduced a little bit in, in weight and in size, but they're still in the top 10 easily and are a really heavy, really heavy ranking factor. So we, we invest a lot of effort in link building for our clients and things like that. Um, but you know, when we look forward into stuff like, for example, you mentioned earlier, uh, voice and, and robots and things like that, there's a bunch of interesting stuff that's really starting to happen with search where people are moving into a little bit more of a voice search era, uh, which is interesting. I think there's, I think that futurists are kind of bouncing around with the ideas of what, what could happen there. People are trying to figure out how that's going to work, how people are actually going to use voice search, 
how far is it going to go? Are people going to do all their searching via voice or are they just going to do a certain type of searching by voice? You know, like when I walk into my house, I turn on all my lights and everything by just asking my little Amazon device. I can't say her name right now because she's listening. And if I say it, she'll chime in and start talking to me. Um, but, you know, I, I that's one way I do voice right now. Uh, but in terms of voice search, wh- where is that going? That's kind of tough to tell right now. So we kind of have to watch and see what's going to happen with that. But voice searches is going to change the search game a little bit by really, first of all, just changing the types of keywords and the types of queries that people enter into a search engine. For example, let's just say that uh, in the next year, we start seeing a real spike in voice search. But the type of voice search is people on their mobile phones with a pizza place near them then if that's the case, we're going to have to start really focusing on what kind of searches are people doing. If they're doing that, like what kind of keywords are they typically including? Are they generally looking for pizza, or are they specifically looking for a certain brand? If they're looking for a certain brand, are we going to be able to quickly localize that person and show the correct store for them, the one that delivers to them, versus the one down the road a little further that does not deliver to them, that kind of thing. And so you can start to see how, the the tangible aspects of using voice search might come into play. You know, when we talk about something like Amazon, they've got their new Amazon Show device and the new version of the Echo Dot that shows the the actual thing that you've searched for on a little screen. I think it's going to be hard for us to have a world in voice search that does not have some kind of a screen display to it. So for a while here, I think that visual results are still going to be critical, meaning that the same way that we've done SEO for a while is largely going to stay the same, making sure that things are keyword relevant and that you rank well in a list of results. I think it's really what it's going to come down to for a little while longer at least. Okay, me there. I'm sorry, can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Sure can. Okay. Uh, this happens every once in a while, especially when I get a new headset and I'm not familiar with where the inline switch is. I accidentally muted myself on my own show, so there we go. <laughs> okay, so, as, so no as, I was, as I was so brilliantly saying that the whole world just missed is that uh, is what we are hearing, as you continue to explain this, is, as I said at the very beginning, this is a long game. And, yes, I do remember the days when you know, your title tags meant everything. And title tags, to me, still mean something. I'm still able to you know, get a few old tricks out of the old title tags and make a few things happen that way. It's, it's still doable, but it doesn't carry the same weight as it used to. And one thing I know that's never been true is um, – you know, there are different, there are varying levels of understanding of how search engine optimization works. And the funniest story I ever had, and this is back when I used to own a web development firm before the year 2010. So we're going back 10 years on this one minimum. And I had this one client, I think it was one of those $500 deals that I used to take when I first got started. And uh, we built this $500 one-page website to promote a book. And then about six months later, I got this frantic email from him saying, help, help, panic, everything's falling apart. Uh, I, 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 searched, I, I searched Google, and, and, and my, my website didn't come up. Like, well, first of all, we weren't engaged with search engine optimization. Second of all, uh, she wasn't doing a damn thing to promote the book. I mean, she had no other website. She was doing no blogging. Uh, back then, we didn't really have 
podcasting, but we did have uh, landing pages up for teleseminars and webinars that could be left up to promote replays. Um, she was not doing mm-hmm. any expert articles because that's back when article marketing was the hot thing, and you could get a lot of backlink action before Google shut that one down. Uh, so she wasn't doing any of this stuff. And uh, so I'm thinking, okay, this client was already a major pain in the ass, but I could use a laugh today. Uh, so I said, uh, I said, uh, I said, uh, Dolores, that's not her real name. We'll call her Dolores. I said, Dolores, what, uh, what criterion were you using to uh, try to pull up your, your website? She said, well, I, was, uh, I, I, typed, I typed my name. Uh, is there any chance you could call Google and tell them to make it number one? I said, so what comes up when you type your name? Uh, the website with my own name in it? Like, okay. And is that website linked to your book site? No. That might be a place to start. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That might, yeah. 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 Oh. yeah use, use one asset to promote the other is sometimes an effective way to go, especially when you're transitioning lines of business, adding lines of business, or you have a book out. I mean, we're. I mean, I recently released a book, uh, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy, which uh, you know, pat myself on the back, international number one Amazon bestseller in a category of semantics in three countries, and we're in the process of getting copious. Thank you. We're, get, we're in the process of getting copious references to that book added to all the websites. I mean, it's, it's a bit of effort to do, and it's actually causing us to reevaluate whether some of our websites even need to remain online at this point because we haven't marketed them in years. Um, in one case, we're actually kind of – yeah, I have the website up, adamhomierecommends.com, which – you may remember from 10 years ago the big recommends trend. So everybody put their name recommends. So there would have been, um, you know, uh, Tracy Childers did this. So he had TracyRecommends.com. Before you know it, everybody had a recommend. So I had Adam Homie recommends. It's still a, a, a squeeze page. It's on the old optimized press platform. You enter your name and email address, and you get a page with a bunch of links on it, like any of those old recommend sites. And um, we're thinking. This model is so old, and a lot of the things that that page recommends don't even exist anymore. We just haven't paid attention to it. But that page is still good in the search engines. So what is Adam Homie mm-hmm. going to recommend going forward? So that's prompting, a, that's prompting a decision process of what could we put on that page? What are people searching for that I hope they find Adam Homie for? So should maybe we should do some blogging on that page around some of our new topics? <laughs> Should we add a page to that for about our book? Should I add speaking stuff? Um, instead of uh, hosting adamhomie.com, which, of course, I own, but if I haven't actually hosted it in years, uh, maybe that should be my public speaking site. I could make the justification for why it should be. So these are the types of things you have to think about when you think about long game. What assets do you already have that could help juice what you want to do or need to do? So do you have any other examples like that? Uh, where people can get innovative with what they already have and use that to promote what they want to do. Absolutely. So you're hitting on a subject that's actually one of my favorite subjects to recommend when we do search engine optimization for clients. And really quickly, I would recommend everyone listening go out and grab a book called Content Rules. So if you're wanting to get good at content marketing and SEO in general, Content Rules is a fantastic book. Uh, one of my favorite strategies in this book, and by the way, it's, it's by Ann Handley and C.C. Chapman. They are from the uh, Marketing Profs and Digital Dads, respectively. Really good stuff. Anyway, they are part of the whole uh, Content Institute, uh, Content Marketing Institute, and they have some really, really good 
recommendations in this book, but one of my favorite strategies that you are hitting on right there that I recommend to everyone all the time is repurposing content. If you have uh, a video that you made, for example, or a speaking engagement that you did, take the audio from that speaking engagement, take any part you can from that from that uh, video or whatever, and transcribe it into text, and then take a, have an editor or edit it yourself, go through and edit it so that it's not just the spoken text, but it's actually well formatted, and then take that text and spin it off into a series of blog articles, for example. I mean, if it was a long, long speaking engagement, you know, over an hour, for example, you could expect to be in these several thousand word you know, range. You could take a piece right. like that and expand on it in a series of three or four follow-up blog articles. You could take different sides. So you could argue with yourself. I actually do recommend doing that, by the way. So make one point in one blog article and then argue against that point in another blog article. And that gives people from different angles, different views, and different perspectives. And it also helps appeal to different people. So someone might be swayed by one of those views and not swayed by the other and then vice versa. Um, something else that you can do is actually take all of that content that you've produced now and put it together into an ebook that people can download on your website. So now you've got a lead magnet on your website for capturing email addresses. Uh, and even further, you can create some images. Maybe you have some really cool still shots from the speaking engagement. I know Gary Vaynerchuk does this all the time. He'll have a still shot of himself at a speaking engagement, and then he'll take a quote from something that he said at that speaking engagement and overlay the text of that quote on the image, and then he will share that image on Instagram, Pinterest, Snapchat, you know, Facebook, Twitter. He'll put it everywhere, and all of those pieces will link back to blog articles, which, by the way, highlight this ebook that you can download, and they link over to this audio or this video speaking engagement. So you see how all of this came from one initial investment in content, which was the speaking engagement or the video, and then you've repurposed that content over and over again into several different types and pieces of media that all help each other with a strong network effect. And by doing that, you get some massive, massive potential uh, traffic from not just organic search and SEO, but from all the different social networks and your own email channels and things like that. So that's one of my favorite recommendations is repurposing content. Yeah, and I actually have a whole module on that. So you and I are um, singing to the same choir. And what I found really interesting is where you post different articles with different points of view. Now, I can see folks saying, but wait a minute, that sounds inconsistent, and I could get called out on that. Well, uh, mm -hmm. it's also possible to explore uh, one issue from several different viewpoints, because as I, li as sure. I like to say, and this, and, and this is you know, sort of like an apples to pears thing, but the, the comparison is still relevant, um, the worst person on their worst day is not all bad, and the best person on their mm -hmm. best day is not all good. There's always something you can say about a viewpoint. There is very little black and white, and as I argue in my book, there's no such thing as the truth, because truth uh, for each human being is defined by the combination of their own unique experiences, education, and what they've had happen in their lives that, that nobody else has had. So they see through a set of eyes that nobody else can. Therefore, what they perceive as the truth is not the truth necessarily, it's their truth. And they can take a set of facts uh, that we can all hold as being not in dispute, and we can all agree that these facts are facts, but we can interpret them in different ways to create our own truths. That's not 
alternative facts or fake news or anything. That's just what it is. We all look at things differently. Sure, and we have different values as well, which I think is really what I'm getting at when I say something like argue from two different angles, uh, you know, oppose oppose yourself um, in some of your content. Really, what I mean by that is uh, oppose a point that maybe you made in a previous piece of content that that comes at another angle that will help whoever is reading. So, for example, if I were, let's say, I were into it and I were promoting the QuickBooks, you know, invoicing platform, they have the beginner level $10 a month platform that you can sign up for. They also have some enterprise version, which probably costs, you know, thousands of dollars per month. Now, they may want to produce a piece of content that says something along the lines of why you should, why you should not overpay or why you should, uh, why you should use a discount invoicing platform, for example. And this piece right. and this piece of content is all about that cheaper version, the cheaper end, because within this solution you get X, Y, and Z, and it doesn't have to cost a lot. Now, their next exactly. article could be the next article could be why you need to spend more on your invoicing platform, and it could talk about why their enterprise version is what it is because they're talking to uh, an industry where maybe this invoicing platform is actually kind of expensive in the industry, but they're about to make a case as to why you should still pay for it. But you see how there are two opposing viewpoints. One article talks about why you should spend less. The other one talks about why you should spend more. But both of those have been spun in a way to actually benefit the business and, and are relating to their customers. They're actually helping and advising their customers in that content. And so both yeah. pieces of content can actually bring in customers. So the end, the end goal, the conclusion is typically the same, you know, bring in new business. It's not trying to scare away business. But the idea there is that you're controlling the conversation around subjects and everything as opposed to letting your competitors control that conversation. So you're, you're having right. your audience listen to you instead of listening to anyone or anywhere else you do not control. And basically, just like I've been teaching for years, if you want to attract visitors to your web pages, you find out where they're hanging out and the language they're using, and you speak to them in their own language. So if you're trying Mm -hmm. to sell brownies, but they're asking for widgets, you go where they're talking about widgets, and you tell them about your widget. I mean, yeah, it might be a brownie, Mm -hmm. but you can name it the widget brownie with widget sauce, and now it's a widget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Marketers like to spin things like that for sure. Um, you do right. need to be genuine. I think you do need to be genuine and authentic, but at the same time, you definitely right. can find a way to frame things so that your your users understand better and pack, package something so that your users understand better that what you're delivering for them is exactly what they're looking for. And I think that that actually relates to search engine optimization very well. Oftentimes, people search for something in Google and don't really have an exact idea of what they're looking for. And so you do have to take special care when you're doing search engine optimization for your website, special care to not just respond to that keyword query with an exact delivery on that keyword, but show a result around that exact query for that keyword that can then usher them between that keyword and your exact specific solution. You know, there may be some logical connections that you're going to have to help them make mentally that they wouldn't just assume coming into your website. You know, this is where I like to have fun with people like you. When I get up on stages, I like to say to the audience, and and I cover this in my book as well, I say, you know, folks, the last thing that you as business creators need or want in your business is traffic to your website. You absolutely need to get rid of traffic to your website. And 
I actually had somebody try to strangle me once. Strangle me. And there's pictures of her trying to do it because I had the nerve to say that. Well, now I have everybody's attention. So I ask, well, what is traffic? Traffic, to put it in one sentence, is the reason why I work from a home office. <laughs> website, what is a website? Uh, you know, we have about pages, webinar registration pages, sales pages, contact pages, privacy pages, uh, podcast pages, blog pages, product pages, and it could go on and on and on and on and on. Every single one of these can be a website, and one website can contain all of these things. So rather than talking about traffic and websites, I like to focus on visitors to web pages, visitors who are pre-qualified, prepped, and pumped uh, to web pages where when you click that link or open that search result, you're going to be taken to a page that delivers what you were expect, where you were primed to expect in a way that you'll be able to easily access it by following simple instructions. Now, do we need traffic to our websites? Well, damn right you do. Duh. In fact, I also addressed that issue. Uh, but, uh, what I, but what I've done here is two things. Is when In a market where everybody talks about traffic to their website, I redefine the term so that it stands out and it's not a me too. And then I add my own education to it. So when I'm talking about visitors to web pages, I introduce the concept of pre-qualified, prepped, and pumped, which is a way of looking at the sales conversion process. Uh, now... Now, when I blog about this, when I talk about this on podcasts, when I talk about this in speeches, or I do, do anything about it that's meant to end up on the web and drive people to me, I'm still using the operative phrase, traffic to your website. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, you bring up a really good point. I think even just shifting the perspective for people, because sometimes, like, for example, years ago, clients of ours used to get out of shape over rankings. And Bro, I remember yeah, the very remember. first time, the very first time I ever heard the term uh, vanity metric. That was such an exciting uh -huh. moment for me um, because a ranking. I, I sat across from a CEO at a large business one time that was very pissed because they weren't ranking as well as they were, you know, a few days ago or something like that. And he was ready to fire me based on their rankings. And I asked him, "How much money did you lose because of that ranking?" And he couldn't tell me, and he was upset at me because he was like, you should be telling me. I'm like, oh, I know I should be telling you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on telling you this. But the key is that if your ranking drops here, if your ranking really dropped, but I increased your revenue, would you fire me or would you keep me? Now, let me ask you the flip side of that. If your revenue dropped but your rankings went up, would you fire me or would you keep me? It's an important distinction that you make there because really why, why am I trying to get your site to rank? Why am I trying to bring you traffic? You know, all of those are just means to an end. The end is because that traffic is probably a visitor who's probably ready to buy something, who probably becomes a customer, who probably hopefully pays you as much as you want to get paid by a customer. You know, there's so many connections that need to happen there, but the end result is you're getting paid. And so at the end of the day, Rankings and traffic are only part of the whole picture. You know, when we do reporting for a client, we re-report typically on three different categories of, of data. So we look at rankings, traffic, and conversions. Those are really the things right. that we look at. And by doing that, each one of those has their own individual little bucket, too, by the way. So rankings has their own buckets. Well, what category of product needs to rank? you know, the most, because some categories are not as important as others. So in, in regards to rankings, there's that. 
in regards to traffic, well, where where do we need that traffic to go in the site, and what is that traffic actually doing in the site? Are they bouncing? Are they really engaging with the site? Things like that. How is that traffic working? Is that traffic, uh, you know, are we ranking better, you know, back to the ranking discussion, are we ranking better for generic terms or for long-tail terms? Because for some clients, they'll drop for a ranking uh, over a generic term, but that sometimes that comes with the benefit of increasing their rankings for a longer tail term that actually drives better conversions and better sales. And so sometimes we'll actually see a drop in rankings, drop in traffic, improvement in revenue from search. A lot of people wouldn't expect that, but I've been able to show that time and time again with some of our clients because we focus on longer tail keywords that actually drive revenue. Because at the end of the day, we're not just here to get you to show up well on a pretty site. <laughs> we're here to we're right. here to help your business make millions more dollars next year uh, using using a service that your your competition is actively pursuing just as hard. And you know when you when you mentioned earlier that sometimes you're driving up this hill and if you take your foot off the gas pedal, the car will slow down and eventually starts rolling backwards. When people think about that, a lot of your newer SEO people and sometimes SEO people that uh, have actually been with it for a while will say, well, no, you don't actually really start drop it. You don't actually start falling out of the rankings or anything like that. It's not like you start doing something bad by taking your foot off the gas pedal. And while I would agree with that, the effect is still the same because the world around you is still moving forward. The people in the world are still actively pursuing SEO. They're still creating content, linking to each other and optimizing their site and sharing stuff on social networks. So if they continue doing that and you stop, you sit still, then they're going to leapfrog over you, and that's why you drop in the rankings. Because that algorithm is aggressive. It never sleeps. It's always rating things, and your competitors are always producing content and building links. So you've got to be doing it as hard, if not harder, than them in order to stay at the top. It is a dog-eat-dog dog world out there in the search world. I can assure you of that. It, it, most, it most certainly is. And, uh, you know, you know, you mentioned the idea of the uh, of the difference between uh, you know your short tail keywords and your long tail keywords, and I I'm also remembering uh, you know years ago I uh, this wasn't a client of mine, but it was a client of a client um, who uh, had a uh, practice who had a, a practice that uh, specifically was about helping chiropractors with their marketing. Uh, a lot of chiropractors mm-hmm. need specialized marketing. It's a very unique thing and the fact that there are so many marketing firms out there that niche and chiropractors tell us it's a need now she uh wanted now according to my colleague who had her as a client she wanted to uh rank uh for training i said okay so chiropractic training now do we mean marketing training business training it's like no she actually wants to be number one for the word training like Mm -hmm. uh okay hit her over the head with a mallet for the rest of the day because that's not only not only a pipe dream from her perspective and the budget you've told me about, but she's also actually moving further away from her audience because a chiropractor in need of any sort of training isn't just going to go type in the word training and expect that stuff for chiropractors is going to immediately show up at the very top. They're going to dig a little bit deeper. I want that longer term term keyword so chiropractor marketing chiropractor marketing coach if i if i was a chiropractor and i wanted help with my marketing that's what i'm looking for i don't want training Mm -hmm. i want somebody to i want somebody to help me grow my chiropractor practice that's what i want 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you have to think about the value of one of those people buying from you and what that's going to be. You know, I did a long tail keyword project for a client years ago. I can't name their name, but I'll, I will tell you they're one of the top oil field services companies in the world. So they huh. service oil fields, uh, and they're they're huge. And uh, this was around the time of the um, the BP oil spill. And during that time, there was this need for a certain type of ship that would go out into the ocean and it would suck up this um, this byproduct that was harmful that could easily be refined once it was pulled out of the seawater. It could be refined and still used as a fuel. And this ship was capable of, yes. kind of cleaning up the environmental waste of it and actually recouping the value of that fuel. And so it was a really powerful tool this, this machine. Now, this is a several billion, with a B, several billion dollar ship when it's manufactured and sold. And there are only a few of them in the world that are necessary at any given moment. Well, this company manufactured something like five of them. And uh, they had this brochure that they wanted to put together and they sent it over to me and they said, what do we need to do with this to make sure that the right people find it? <laughs> I didn't know how exactly. these kind of deals worked out. I had no idea how these right. kinds of deals worked out. But that specific ship had a very, very niche name, and you only needed five people to find those ships, the right five people. You know what I mean? Right. That was the strongest exactly. long-tail example I've ever had in my entire life because once, wow. once those five ships are sold, that's all they needed to sell, and they just made several billion dollars in, in profit. So. You can yeah. see the power of having a good long-tail search, and you need to understand, I think any business investing in SEO, if you're investing in marketing of any kind, you need to understand what your average lifetime value of a customer is before you start investing in marketing so that you get a realistic understanding of what your results ought to be. And if those results aren't positive in terms of return on investment after a certain amount of time, then you have a much better idea of whether or not this marketing methodology makes sense for your business. Right, precisely. So uh, we have, um, oh, this time is really flying here. We have about uh, 15 minutes, and I want to give you a moment at the end because I know you have a special gift for us. But uh, let's uh, give you an opportunity to uh, share something with us here. Um, I, you mentioned in the green room that you have a, um, a, a what you call a tried-and-true three-part framework, um, and you've used this for companies like Jotform, a company I love, by the way. One of our clients uses Jotform, and it's great. It's awesome. It, it works well with Zaps. It, you can build great forms with it. And uh, and this framework, you, when you worked uh, – I think you worked with them. I think they were a client of yours. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. um, get a number one page yeah. rank and increase your traffic by, according to my notes, 598% in just two months. So take it away, That's Jeremiah. Correct. That's one we want to learn about. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So that particular case, um, they had already pursued uh, the first two major parts. Well, really the first part of, of SEO that I mentioned, that technical optimization piece. They they are really sharp from a technical perspective because they're a software as a service company and they knew exactly how their site needed to be set up structurally and technically. So it was in great shape. Uh, they came to us with a specific challenge. They wanted to rank for a certain keyword that was a very hot keyword that was going to drive tens of thousands of new uh, subscribers to their business within the span of a couple of months, and they wanted to do that right away. So what we did was we focused in on that one keyword that they had to rank for, and that one keyword had a couple of different 
derivatives to it. You know, I mean, there are probably three to five different ways that you could easily get to that keyword with other kind of keyword variations. So it, when I say that one keyword, keep in mind, I mean, you know, a little handful of terms around this one keyword. Uh, but what we did was we took that keyword and we built a large single piece of content on the site, a very large piece that was comprehensive about the subject that they wanted to rank for, had lots of graphs, lots of lots of images, and uh, and example resources that it linked off to throughout the rest of the website, things like that. So it was a nice, meaty piece of content. So we produced that piece of content, and while we were producing that piece of content, we went out through our PR network and started interacting with people that we thought might be a relevant source to get a link from, and we pitched them the idea of the piece of content that we're producing right now to see how well they would accept it. And then we offered them, uh, we offered these different link resources, PR publications, bloggers, other websites. Uh, we offered them pieces of data that they could use that was completely proprietary data. And we, we put it out there and handed it to them as like a currency in exchange for them to link back to this piece of content for JotForm. And so people were kind of hungry actually to link to this piece of content because we gave them some useful data to use for their audience anyway. So by doing that, once we were able to actually publish the piece of content on the client's site, then we just went back to those PR publications, said, here's the link, hit it up. And they all just started linking right over to it. And within a very short period of time, JotForm went from unranked to like number one for that keyword very, very quickly. Uh, and that, that timing was critical because basically what happened was a, a previous partner that they had worked with was shutting down uh, something that they were doing. And they were a 600 pound gorilla in this industry. Uh, I don't want to go into specifics around that for strategic reasons, but basically they were shutting down what they were doing, and JotForm knew that they could step in and steal that traffic that would otherwise just be let down by not being able to go with the 600-pound gorilla and instead would end up meandering over to one of JotForm's competitors unless JotForm stepped in there and owned that first position. So that that timing was absolutely crucial, and we got them to rank number one before the other site had officially shut down what they were doing and uh as soon as they shut it down we saw this dramatic spike in uh in traffic and in conversions going into their site and we're able to put together a case study on it so that was a pretty powerful example now that is that is an extenuating circumstance a lot of clients come to us and they see that and they're like yeah we want we want number one ranking within a month and 600 percent improvement in traffic you know within one to two months right. also <laughs> and i'm like okay cool you have like 50 grand ready to go are you ready to pull the trigger on all this content? Do you have these link opportunities and relationships? Do you have a brand that's as well established as JotForm where people are going to respond to that kind of thing when you do it? So if you do, because we, then that's the case, and we could do that. We could definitely do that. If you don't have that, though, we're going to have to build some areas where you're weak. It's just what it is. You know, you've got weaknesses and strengths, and we're going to leverage your strengths. You know, in JotForm's case, they had a strong brand, and they had a technically astute model of a website and then they also had a really good strategic advantage where they had the perfect alternative to what this huge competitor was shutting down about. They also had some insider trading info, not really insider trading, but they knew kind of behind the scenes, rumor has it, they're going to be shutting down soon. So they knew exactly when to, when to move in. Um, but that was a very exciting, engaging, and interesting project to show those kind of results on. Yeah, yeah, that and, and you know you raise a good point too that just because somebody else achieved number one ranking in a month doesn't necessarily mean 
you will. But uh, but search engine optimization, as we've said, is uh, you know to me anyway, like it's a long game. So it's a matter of if you want to plant a tree in your yard, if you want to have an oak tree in the middle of your yard, and right now you have no tree in your yard, uh, the sooner you get that tree planted, the sooner you'll have an oak tree in your yard. It's just that simple. Exactly. So, uh, you got you got to work on this stuff. So maybe you get it in 30 days. Uh, maybe you get I, – I could think of an outlier. Like let's say that the um, – the, the, let's say the founder of JotForm uh, suddenly found himself in the news in a very good way, and uh, that website was taking millions and millions and millions of hits. Well, that could propel him to number one very quickly uh, due to some. You know, maybe he goes on, maybe he goes on Shark Tank, and he and he and he gets Mr. Wonderful to invest in him or something. Suddenly, JotForm's sure. hot. Everybody wants a piece of JotForm. So you never know what could happen, exactly. but. If the, but, that, but that may that may or may not necessarily happen for you, but that doesn't mean that a, in my opinion, you shouldn't try, and b, uh, sure. it's just like the thing. Well, if, you know, if you aim for the moon and you don't reach the moon, at least you'll land on one of the stars. Why wouldn't you try to go mm-hmm. for number one in thirty days and just see what happens? Maybe it takes you three months, but if you say, well, I'm going to aim for it in ninety days. To me, that's slowing down your trajectory because now what if you don't hit 90 days? You could be looking at 180 days. It's like um, somebody else gave me an analogy that I thought was, um, that was uh, pretty interesting. Is He's decided that he's going to live to be 106 years old. He has determined that he will live to 106 years old, and that's when he's going to die. And then he says, of course, I can't decree that I'm going to live to be 106, but because that's my goal, I'm going to do everything in my favor with healthy living, diet, exercise, managing my moods, uh, maintaining my positive outlook on life. I'm going to do everything I can every day to stack the deck in my favor so I come as close as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It is It is an incremental effort, too. I mean, at Simple Tiger, we kind of focus on using this methodology we call the 80-20 principle, which is really just the, I mean, we don't just call it that. Everybody knows what the eighty twenty principle is, but we use it by focusing on those low-hanging fruit or what are the 20% of things that we can do in regards to SEO to get the greatest impact, to get the best rankings quickly and easily and things like that. And so we do focus on the highest impact items first, but then over time, we inevitably have to go back and do all the other 80% of stuff to push it the rest of the way there. For example, if a client is position four or five on Google, well, the way the ranking algorithms work and the way showing up a little higher in Google works is there is a logarithmic scale for how difficult it is to climb that ladder. It is exponentially harder to go from eighth position to seventh position than it is to go from ninth position to eighth position. So the the closer you get to the first position, the harder it is to get to that first position. And so sometimes you have to pull out all the stops and do every little tiny last itty-bitty thing that you can imagine to get it there. But start somewhere. And a great place to start is just begin producing keyword-relevant content if you aren't doing that right now. And some great places to do that are some great types of content if you're if you're listening right now and you you own a business or you've started a business and maybe you've got a sales process maybe you have some sales people running that process or maybe you're the sure. you know the cook the can you know the baker the candlestick maker so you know the sales process better than anyone write down some of the biggest questions that you get in the sales process and write a blog article as an answer to those questions you'd be blown away at how much that actually brings in traffic to your site and how that actually can help you 
convert that traffic. And then lo and behold, let's say you do get on a phone call with a client, they ask a question, you say, you know what, I'm going to give you the quick answer, but I'm also going to email you a link to an article that gives you a much deeper, more comprehensive answer to that, because I already took the time to consider that for you, you know. And so you put something together like that, oh, your sales process is going to get so much cleaner, so much easier, and now your sales process has inspired and fueled your marketing process. They'll work together. Yeah. Uh, I, th I think that's one of the best methods you can use for producing content. Agreed. Agreed. And we are actually at the point where we need to wrap this up. So, Jeremiah, you have a little something for our listeners who uh, invested in themselves by tuning in today. So tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we've got a little product that we put together for you guys for free on our website. You can go check it out. The whole ebook is called The Anatomy of SEO, A Simple Guide for SaaS Companies. Um, now, it, it works for anybody, but we, we originally built it as if we're thinking about or talking to SaaS companies. So a lot of the examples that you find in the ebook are SaaS companies. A lot of the case studies and everything tend to be SaaS companies. But this same anatomy will work for anyone. I don't care what kind of business you're in. Read the anatomy of SEO, and you'll learn a little bit more about the framework that I mentioned earlier, but in much more detail. You know, just like I mentioned about the whole sales piece, imagine that you asked me the question, how does SEO work, and I gave you a brief answer earlier. This is your much deeper answer. So download this ebook, read through it. You'll have a much better understanding of our SEO framework, what we use for clients over and over again. Uh, we give away all the secret sauce. We give you the farm. Really, there's no yep. mystery to it. It's just a lot of hard work and knowing what to do and, and where to do it, and we lay all that out in the anatomy of SEO. Correct. Let me just read out the URL one time. It's uh, HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash connect dot simple tiger dot com forward slash anatomy. Uh, I'll say it one more time. HTTPS forward, forward, connect dot simple tiger dot com forward slash anatomy. This is the reason to go back to iTunes and subscribe and download this again. And also for our listeners, uh, this will be on Jeremiah's uh, guest profile at businesscreatorsradioshow.com. So make sure to download that. I'm going to check it out myself. And Jeremiah Smith, uh, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and quite an education. This has been great. Awesome. No, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. I hope your listeners have gotten some value out of this. And, uh, yeah, I really appreciate what you're doing here. I'm really excited to, uh, to, to hear this go live. Thank you so much. You bet. And as our listeners know, um, as our listeners know, uh, not only am I the host of the Business Creators Radio Show, but I'm in the audience with them with my notepad and my two pens out looking for the slight edge in my business. So I think this has been helpful to me as well. Just listening to you has helped me to uh, think about that thing I mentioned earlier about you know some of the decisions we have to make about some of our websites. We're not sure if we're going to continue or how we're going to continue them. So you know, again, you never know when you're going to find the inspiration you're looking for right when you need it. Uh, for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, and you can find us easily on iTunes. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.